Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> when two long-lost Earth colonies are discovered by the Enterprise, the crew orchestrates a margin of cultures that just might save them both. From May 20th, 1989, Season 2, Episode 18, Up the Long Ladder, or Caricatures for the Win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we are <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. It was like watching the uh, rejected casting reels that were submitted for playing extras in Far and Away. <laughs> it was as if it was as if it was as if I was watching it. The the Derek de, the directorial debut of the Irish equivalent of Guy Ritchie. It's just it was just confusing. I uh. I felt like I was watching rejected reels for the uh, Disney Channel original movie. Luck the of the Luck Irish. Of the Irish. <laughs> Shout out to that fabulous episode. Fabulous episode. Absolutely fabulous episode of Disney Channel original friendship. Right here on this Indeed. very same podcast network. Indeed. Cameron, do you, want to, do you want to tell the good folks at home what the fuck this is all about? This feckin' episode. <laughs> I prefer not oh, to, Dan. Oh, I think this is more entertaining. Ah, well. Oh. I think you best be reading it anyways. <laughs> the Enterprise <laughs> receives an automated distress call. I can't. Yeah, just, just read it normal. <laughs> I can't. If you want, I'm I can sorry. heckle you while you do it in Irish. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's give that Look a shot. Look at you, you wee great Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the size of you. <laughs> the Enterprise receives an automated distress call from a satellite orbiting a human colony on the planet Bringloid 5, which is my least favorite planet name, uh, which is in danger from solar flares from its star. The colony turns out to have been founded by the crew of the SS Mariposa, a straighter, <laughs> a straighter, a freighter launched from Earth several hundred years ago. <laughs> the Bringoldy colony, after the Irish word for dreams, is now led by an offensively stereotypical Irishman named Danilo O'Dell, the followers of an early 20th second century philosopher who advocated returning to a pre-industrial agrarian lifestyle. Uh, and they're taken aboard the Enterprise and must quickly adapt to 21st century technology. When they transfer the colonists and their animals, O'Dell informs Picard of another colony, also planted by the Mariposa. And after s subtly... Trying to marry off his daughter, the Enterprise proceeds to the second colony, which is named the Mariposa after the ship, half a light year away. The colony's prime minister, Walter Granger, is happy to see the Enterprise and welcomes them to visit. So Commander Riker beams down with Worf and Dr. Pulaski. 
The Mariposa colony is strikingly different from the Bringoldi colony, as the Mariposa colonists have kept their advanced technology and appear refined and cultured in contrast to the Bringoldi's relatively primitive existence. Pulaski quickly ascertains, however, that all of the inhabitants are clones. Granger reveals that their ship crashed while landing and only five survivors were left to start the colony. As this was insufficient to establish a stable gene pool and the survivors were all scientists, they turned to exclusively cloning and consequently no longer have any desire for fucking. For almost... <laughs> they missing out. For almost three centuries, every Mariposan has been cloned, a derivative from one of the five original colonists, and now the colony is in danger of dying out because of replicative fading. Each subsequent generation introduces additional minor flaws into the genetic code. And within only a few more generations, we'll make uh, cloning uh, non-viable. It's like in elementary school when the teacher lost, you know, the original copy and only has a five copy, copy, copy. And you couldn't actually read anything, but it was a coloring book assignment, so it didn't matter that much anyway. I mean, I get it. I guess faded genes weren't in until the 90s. <laughs> You're mistaken, sir. They were in the 80s. Victorious <laughs> in my joking, I don't care. <laughs> anyway, the Mariposans asked the Enterprise crew for samples of their DNA to create new clones. Riker refuses as he values his uniqueness. Read his penis. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the crew is likely to feel the same about Riker's penis. So the Mariposans decide... <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> can you imagine if there was two The Davids? <laughs> oh, Dan. We have, we're going to have some things to talk about. Anyway, so the Mariposans decide to kidnap Riker and Pulaski and steal their DNA instead. Upon discovering this, the away team beams directly to the colony's cloning labs, where they find and are repulsed by copies of themselves being grown. Riker then kills them both. Granger <laughs> is furious and appears, appeals to Picard, but Pulaski argues that a new batch of clones will only delay the inevitable. Instead, she advises them that they consider partnering with the Brigoldi to create a viable gene pool. Initially, each colony's leader treats the other society with disdain. But eventually, they agree to merge their colonies into separate cultures. And so ends Hop the Long Ladder. <laughs> so, this one, it starts out a bit rough. And then it got a bit interesting. And then it got a real bit rough there at the end. But... The greatest thing about this episode is the entirety of it is just the setup for a pornography <laughs> film. It is absolutely oh, the setup the for quaint, a porn. The quaint Irish country folk are going to teach the nerdy scientist clones how to fuck. <laughs> like we haven't all seen that one a million times before. So original Star Trek, just ripping off good old fashioned pornography tropes. <laughs> I'm disappointed in the lot of ya. What's the matter with you? You've never seen a woman before. I thought I had. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. It is a good line. I mean, Riker is uh, um, the Yeah, you didn't really touch on the fact that Riker also totally, you know, gets his rocks off him this episode. Well, I mean, I did talk about his penis. That was kind of implied. I was trying to make the artistic choice of just penis jokes, damn. <laughs> Oh, well, he uh, he definitely fucked the leader's daughter, mm -hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she seemed to be pretty stoked about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, <laughs> yeah, at the end when she was like, three husbands. 
Oh, ay. <laughs> Lord, you look who's fancy. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's such a bad <laughs> Irish accent for the whole thing. It's just amazing. It's it's the best. Um, But yeah, I <laughs> I did love that the plot is ostensibly a porno. Just straight up. Straight up. Yep. I also loved the dialogue. No apologies, though. porn. It was the dialogue touched me deeply, and not just because it was ostensibly a porno. Um, I actually, <laughs> this would have been the perfect porno. You know what I mean? Because the dialogue oh, yeah. and the character setup was so good, and I did find them fascinating as a group, and I found the problems fascinating. <laughs> but it would have been better yeah. if it ended with just a whole bunch of fucking. A good old-fashioned <laughs> gangbanger. Gangbangers and mash. <laughs> You're such an asshole, and I love you. So Terrible much. person. <laughs> yeah, it was... The dialogue and the character developments were my favorite part. And can you guess why, Daniel? Why would that Do be? Do you know common? who this episode is written by? If you say GC Fontana, I'm going to shit myself. It's it's not. No, she'd quit again at this oh. point. But oh, it is okay. written by our dear friend Belinda M. Snodgrass. <laughs> oh, Belinda! <laughs> Fabulous. Indeed. I mean, you can tell because it's interesting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, you burn. But it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I actually have always been fond of this episode. Just, I mean... <laughs> It is ridiculous, but I, it's one that I always come in, back to. In a great and, way. And enjoy. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those where if the, if, if whoever directed this had just come up to the talent and been like, just a touch less Irish and go. <laughs> like, <laughs> just bring it, bring it in a tiny Just bit. bring it, bring it to the realm of how human beings talk. <laughs> that is hard for some people, myself right. included. Yeah, well. I did appreciate that they were trying to set up a still in the barn uh, that was the deck that they took over. Cargo Bay, Daniel. Cargo Bay, apologies. <laughs> and we'll get to the quotes, but the whole quote about the fire suppression system mm-hmm. brings me great Lightning joy. out of the sky. <laughs> I actually just really enjoyed Brenna Odell. I thought she mm-hmm. was delightful. Yeah, she was great. Uh, I thought the the premise was fantastic, and I loved the B plot. Yeah, me too. The friendly exchange between Pulaski and Worf over the course of this episode. We had Pulaski cover for Worf when he passed out on the bridge, and turns out he had the Klingon equivalent of measles, and she didn't let anyone know that the mighty Klingon warrior got sick with uh, rock gore. Rapngor. <laughs> yeah, Rapngor. I wrote it down because I had the subtitles on. I was like, that's a funny word. Um, so then Worf did the Klingon tea ceremony for Pulaski as a thank you, which is like a super secret ritual thing. And she like picked the flowers and dumped them in the tea and then... <laughs> and then took antidotes <laughs> so she wouldn't die. <laughs> but yeah, because it it's poisonous to humans, right? Um so 
it's this super lethal tea that they drink as like a way to feel close to death, sure. But Pulaski sees it and is like, well, I've never said no to a cocktail. Let me just go get my EpiPen. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, you already poured it. I don't want you to waste it. <laughs> now read me some of that poetry. <laughs> now read me some of your Klingon love poetry. You know, if you I, don't, I I'll get that. Jordy in here. He'll do it. <laughs> His Klingon's pretty good. His tongue's mm-hmm. pretty good for that. His matter. tongue's pretty good. <laughs> uh, man sees what he wants and he takes it. Well, not literally. <laughs> <laughs> I offered to help him with that, but he said no. <laughs> so we just fucked like animals. <laughs> She's working her way through the crew faster than Riker. Can you blame her? Nope. I know I've only got one season on this bird, and I'm going to fuck my way from here to sickbay. Oh, Daniel. Very sexually charged episode. It was. It really was. Mm-hmm. And not just the usual, usual tension. No. Not the will they, won't they, but the, oh, they gone, and they did. <laughs> yeah, they gonna, they did, and what just <laughs> happened in that last frame that we didn't get to see. Yep. Exactement. Yeah, indeed. indeed. I loved the charting of two separate colonial groups that were from the same mission and seeing how different they'd be in 300 years. That was fascinating. And just the the care and attention to having an episode that actually turns with the act breaks. It's like, oh, we think we're dealing with one thing. Oh, we're actually dealing with two things. Oh, and they each have, you know, complicated problems. Like, it actually turns. The pacing of it works very well. Again, hats off to Miss Snodgrass. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We appreciate it. Because it's it's. It's compelling one-hour television by any standard, by today's standards, because it just keeps turning. It does, like, what the best Dick Wolf stuff does, mm-hmm. you know? It like, just moves really so quickly. Moves. It, it, finds, it finds itself in a, in a running-against-the-clock situation, and it just, you know, it goes for it. It's, it goes for it. <laughs> it's in a pickle, and then it's in a bigger pickle. <laughs> and, then the, the, and then the pickle gets put on a spear, and you're like, oh, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> But it makes sense when you go back and you're paying attention. And then it lets you bite it, and then it's really satisfying at the end. But it wasn't all just over-the-top caricatures, was it, Cameron? Oh, I mean, it was, but... (laughs) Yes, that's actually part of the problem. So what didn't you like about this one? I just... uh, I... I would have killed for a more developed Irish leader, someone who is compelling besides having to be a hopeless drunk. Not that he wasn't charismatic, but, uh, you know. And I mean, to yeah. be fair, we were in peak, um, peak late 80s, early 90s television where they realized that they can no longer make fun of women and can only mm. make fun of idiot men. So, I mean, I, I guess I can't expect too much, but... Or if, you know, he didn't exist at all and Brenna was the actual leader of the group, which, I mean, she was, but, you know, if she had actually been... The recognized sovereign? Yes. The flag-waving leader. 
of the ensemble. 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 Les misérables. La cucaracha. <laughs> Parlez-vous, Francie. Grazie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just... And I mean, don't get me wrong. He was cute and fun and he served his purpose, but I just... I yearn for more. Much like the Irish. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All of us wide-backed folk. I also forgot to mention that I love Picard's feathers being ruffled. Now that we know him better, I really love it when mm -hmm. he's like... <laughs> when he does what he does with this. When the chicken runs out of the cargo bay and he's like... <laughs> I do like I do like when he laughs at the whole thing. Yeah, he's just like... Too. C'est la vie. <laughs> our, uh, our existence is fairly, fa fairly asinine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I also love the chicken running out into the middle of the hallway. What a well-trained chicken. Such a good chicken. It's a, it's a cock you could make use for. Cameron. In film. That is a bird. <laughs> In film. Sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> Kokova. Uh, but <laughs> no Kokova. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Ratatouille. <laughs> oh shit. Um but yeah, was the, what did you hate about this episode, Dan? I I thought it was really kind of fucking weird that a three hundred year old colony had two hundred and twenty three people on it. <laughs> like the more primitive first colony that they went to, that's all that they saved. And they didn't make it sound like they'd experienced a bunch of casualties as a result of this solar flare. It was just like, well, the, biggest, the village was big enough. What were we supposed to do? <laughs> like, it just seemed like a weird amount of colonists I mean, after that's fair. 300 years. I thought that, that was maybe really just, strange. I thought that maybe they just weren't very good farmers and ranchers and... <laughs> You know, they couldn't they couldn't quite make their crops thrive. They did enough to get by, but they couldn't quite couldn't quite switch into a, you know, competitive market, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There was um that was weird. I didn't like the I liked the set for the clone world. I didn't like their costumes. Um just kinda silly. And I didn't... You mean you didn't like the Dr. Evil suit, Dan? But a triple-breasted Dr. Evil suit. That jacket was absurd. It was absurd. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the the other main thing is just, like, the ridiculous, over-the-top, mildly offensive depiction of Irish-descending people from the 22nd century. So this not only assumes that... <laughs> The caricature that we held in the 20th century would be true 200 years from then, but in fact, they'd have doubled down on it and become like an agrarian group in this context. And it's like, we never stopped being your little villager from Finian's Rainbow. That's the worst part is the accent. It really is. <laughs> I 
I'm the wee lesbian. Okay. <laughs> I'm the wee lesbian. <laughs> I think we should retire to my favorite part of the episode, which was quotes. There wasn't mu- that much bad to say, and you didn't say anything bad about it, Cameron. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I went on for a good 10 minutes, Dan. Oh, I must have blacked out. <laughs> Well, it's good to know that's still happening. We're going to have to have a conversation about the, after this is over. Well, the hell with the conversation. I need an MRI, Cameron. <laughs> I'm losing chunks of time. I'm concerned about this fugue state I've entered. That's fair. It's, it's not the alcohol. It's neurological. Either that or my conversation is so boring, you just black out. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I'm a terrible Danilo Odell said, every moment of pleasure in life has to be purchased by an equal amount of pain, which is maybe the most Irish thing ever fucking written. (laughs) That's the truth. That's a damn good line. It is a great line. Sometimes, number one, you just have to bow to the absurd. Madam. Have you ever considered a career in security? If it's anything like babysitting, I'm an authority. <laughs> and what are you staring at? you never seen a woman before. I thought I had. There is something damn odd going on here. It is a test of bravery, of one's ability to look the face, look at the face of mortality. It is also a reminder that death is an experience best shared, like the tea. Worf, you're a romantic. <laughs> it is among the Klingons that love poetry achieves its fullest flower. You may have all the time in the world, but I have dozens of frightened and hungry children and women to look after. And what about the men? Well, I'm sure they'll find their comfort, as they always do, in the bottom of a mug of bear. Sorry, homebrew. <laughs> Send in the clones. <laughs> Send I... in the clones. <laughs> there ought to be clones. Isn't it, Rich? Aren't we a pair? <laughs> Me Your genetics on coming undone. <laughs> You're here, me there. Send in the clowns. Clones. Clones. Clones! I'm fine. <laughs> You're not fine. You fainted. I did not faint. Klingons do not faint. Excuse me, I'll rephrase. The Klingon suffered a dramatic drop in blood pressure. His blood glucose levels dropped. There was a deficient blood flow resulting from circulation failure. In other words, he curled up his toes and lay unconscious on the floor. Doctor, there is no need to insult me. I can see why your father wants to marry you off. Oh, and why is that? So he can have a pipe and a mug of beer in peace. But up, up, but up, uh, woo, dick. <laughs> a little bit. That isn't necessary. The ship will clean itself. Well, good for the bloody ship. <laughs> Whiskey. Terrible. It has no bite. 
Check los. <laughs> That's what I call a wee bit of drop of the creature. <laughs> Keep going. I'm loving this scene. Yeah, what the hell was that thing? Automated fire system. A force field contains the flame until the remaining oxygen has been consumed. Ah, uh, yeah. What if I'd have been under the thing? You would have been standing in the fire. Yeah, well, leaving that aside for a moment, I mean, what would have happened to me? You would have suffocated and died. Yeah, oh, sweet mercy. <laughs> so that's what it feels like to be a Daniel Crary. <laughs> It's just always talking to yourself <laughs> since nobody else is listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here you go. All right. Okay. Miss Odell, you were the one who wanted a new home. But I don't know if I want to be Eve. So we got to repopulate. <laughs> Would you happen to be married? No, why? No, uh, well, uh, you see, I have a daughter. Felicitations. <laughs> what have they done to my ship now? One, William Riker is unique, perhaps even special, but a hundred of him, a thousand of him, diminishes me in ways I can't even imagine. Dick. You would be preserving yourself. Human beings have other ways of doing that. We have children. Sick burn, bro. <laughs> there were only four other people, only two of which I could have impregnated. Don't lecture me about how humans are supposed to behave. Let's put you alone with four other people. See how you do, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Absolutely, Commander. <laughs> they started out together. It only seems... It seems only fitting they should end up together. It's a match made in heaven. Unfortunately, it would have to be a shotgun wedding. <laughs> I must be out of my mind. Starfleet would probably agree with you. They are so different. It is the differences... That has made us strong. What does he do again? Prime Minister. Mmm, sounds important. <laughs> Tell <ready>? me. Is, <laughs> yep. I'm so excited. Tell me. Is your entire population made up of clones, Mr. Prime Minister? Clones? Clones. Clones. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I was like, and that, and then they end the act, and I was like, that's a fucking act break, god damn it. Well done. Classic. <sighs> They've got two or three generations, and then the fading will be terminal. They're among the walking dead now. They just haven't been buried. Now... Quote me a little of that poetry. Father! Remember what I said about the moment of pain? Well, it is about to begin. <laughs> Klingon drink. 
Mariposa, the Spanish word for butterfly. Thank you, Data. I thought it might be significant, sir. Does not appear to be so, Data. No, sir. <laughs> oh, Melinda, we just love you. <laughs> Oh my god, Cameron. Uh, how many offensively Irish clones would you give this episode? Oh dear, I think I'm going to give it three and three quarters offensive Irish clones. I would be giving it three and a half offensively Irish clones because well, it was a go. very well executed episode. It was just a little bit silly. <laughs> it was a very well executed episode. And what was executed of the plot was was just lovely because of because of the writing. Why? Why? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we seem to have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and even rated it while uh, we were at it. It's indeed, been quite lad, a day. That we have. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just one last thing for me to do and that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week but to make it so keep on tracking <laughs> uh, should we just do the whole thing in offensive Irish accents uh, I mean the whole thing, top to bottom. We'll do we'll do the best we can. <laughs> oh, but Daniel, isn't that one of your favorite dialects? It's one of mine. <laughs> Caricatures are always my favorite dialect. <laughs> I actually do a pretty good Irish accent, except for the things with the vocal variation. <laughs> well, there's only one intonation that one can speak Irish. <laughs> Have you watched the Netflix series Dairy Girls? It's very good. Uh, I've heard that. I think you'd en- I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, where I get my Irish actually is from the uh, the Tri Channel mm. on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen the Tri Channel, but it's it's delightful. I'm still stuck it's on the Bi Channel. <laughs> no, not the Bi Channel. The Tri Channel. Oh well, that's one. Anyway, too many it's for this me. channel where a bunch of. Uh, Irish people get together and they send them boxes of shit to try. Usually American, but sometimes Korean. And there's, you know, just all over the world. And they, they, you know, like try American whiskey. And they try Irish moonshine. And they try all kinds of things. Hmm. And it's just, it's just the fucking best. The fucking best. Fucking. Fuck. Fucking best. It's with an E. It's a fact. Fuck. The feckin' book of there everything you Irish. Are. The feckin' book of everything Irish. <laughs> are you ready? Aye. Aye. <laughs> oh, I miss Scotty. Oh, me too. Right, lads, everybody back onto the infernal machine. Just send you up to Jesus there for a moment, Dan. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get so loud that your mic switches from stereo to mono <laughs> so that it just goes right in one ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all of us can use an SM58 in our system, you know. 
<laughs> but everyone can scoot back from the mic. I do, I tell you, I do. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.